Hello and welcome. Well, if you're new around here, then welcome. If not, welcome back. This yeah. is a 101% podcast. The certainly the greatest podcast ever created by mankind. Don't even try to start a competition. It's not even close. Your favorite podcast? Well, that's this one, and nothing can beat your favorite podcast, then, can it? Um, anyways, would you like to tell the fine listeners what we're going to be talking about today? Oh, yes. Today, we are talking about campfire stories and folklore. Man, what a wonderful topic, if I do say so myself. Obviously... Folklore and campfire stories go hand in hand, so we're going to be grouping them together into one fine, perfect episode, if I do say so myself. Okay. And you want to go first? Um, you know, sure. I will, I'll, I'll pride myself in going first. Now, I'll be talking about a folklore that you've, uh, at least most people have de- almost definitely heard of. It's one of the most popular folklore out there, at least to my belief. It is the Wendigo. Uh, the Wendigo. Wait, How where did Wendy go? It? Where did Wendy go? Wendy went into my hands as I read this wonderful description of you that I totally just have in my brain. Anyways, the Wendigo is pretty tall. Um, fifteen about roughly about fifteen feet tall. Um, that's about the average description. And the Wendigo, as said by some people, was typically filled with fur. Um, very unclean, had a lot of suppurations of the flesh. It was very, it was very eerie in total, and it had skin, like its skin was extremely tight over the bones. It, it, it was, the skin was, like, almost crushing the bones with how close it was. Guinea dude. And it was commonly known to be a man beast. Oh, man beast, guinea man, very skinny man. No, there's a few different things. Uh, There's a lot of versions of this legend. And one of the things that is most commonly argued is its speed and agility. Some people say that he is crazy fast and that he can just run for long times, even when it's pouring rain or the snow is going everywhere. Some people say that he's slow and that he's falling apart. But one thing that a lot of people can agree on is that this monster is really good at hunting down its prey. One of its creepiest Scary. traits, so to say, that the, one of its creepiest abilities that it has is that this monster can commonly mimic human voices. So think of you're walking through the woods. Let me just paint a picture in your mind. It's You're in the eastern Canada, Canadian forest where this legend takes place, and you're just walking through. It's... You know, you're in a very um, wooded area. There's a lot of trees everywhere. It's pour- it, There's just snow everywhere. Ground is covered in snow. It's it's like just snows everywhere. You can you can barely see anything. And then you hear a voice that it's certainly like it's certainly human. You can tell that it's a human voice, and it's probably about forty feet to your right. And if you're in the forest. I mean, what are you going to do about a human voice? That's kind of depending on the person, but most people would probably try to help. Either help or you're trying to run away, but this thing will try to lure you in. And then 
if it, if you see it and you run, it's gonna hunt you down. And the Wendigo is said to possibly have the power to curse curse humans um, via possessing them. And I don't know about all the people who are listening to this or you, Linus. I don't want to be possessed. That just sounds like an unfun time. Personally, possession is something I don't really want to experience. I want to stay in control of myself. I know, I know. I, I agree. I would personally like to be in the driver's seat of my body. Yeah, I don't, but, I don't, I don't want to be a passenger. I want to be the driver. But once he has infil- once the Wendigo has infiltrated the minds of his victim, they can turn them into a Wendigo as well. So oh. they will give them a lust for human flesh because obviously the Wendigo wants to eat people. Yummy. I wonder. And you ever wonder what human tastes like? No, I feel like that's a bit of a you problem. But no, I, I I would never like kill someone. Like, just wonder. I would never actually eat human. But you just wonder. Yeah, I just wonder. What does it taste like? Something that's interesting about this legend is well, it's you know a commonly attributed to the Eastern Canadian forests. Some reports say that the Wendigos stretch from around Quebec. Down to the Rocky Mountains in Wait, the United States of America. Those French people. And, well, I'm personally looking at a picture right now of a picture of a Wendigo in the Rockies. But, you know, I'm sure you guys can't see it. Maybe I'll put it in, maybe I'll put it in post. Maybe not. Um, maybe, for those maybe, you, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll see it, maybe you won't. That's kind of for us to figure out later. So, the Wendigo is not nice. The Wendigo is terrifying. The Wendigo is... Like I said, it's terrifying. Now, the Wendigo is supposedly to be seen. These claims are from 1800s to about 1920s. There's very few um, claims since then, but there has been a few. So, if you're in eastern Canada or from the areas of Quebec to the Rockies... I'd be careful whenever you hear a human voice behind you. You never know what it could be. Canadians, be safe. Yes, be safe, Canadians. And, uh, yeah, that's that's it for the Wendigo. The uh, truly terrifying story. Okay. Now, would you like to tell us a campfire story? Yes. This is the story of the pink Everybody golf ball. Everybody grab your s'mores, grab your s'mores, grab your... Take a big chomp out of that s'mores via this story while we were listening to this. Yes. Now, this isn't a scary campfire story. It's more of a cautionary tale. So. Okay. Once was a boy. And for his 11th birthday, he asked his father for a pink golf ball. And his dad was like, okay, okay. Give you a pink golf ball. So, for his 11th birthday, the boy got a single pink golf ball. Now, around Christmas time, he asked for. I don't know, Christmas time, for his 12th birthday. He asked for a glass case full of pink golf balls. His dad's like, okay. Gets the kid. A glass case full of pink golf balls. Then, 
next year for his 13th birthday, the kid asks for a bucket full of pink golf balls. And the dad, who weirded out this time, says, well, what do you need with all these pink golf balls? And the kid just goes, um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you on my 18th birthday. So the dad sees, I mean, there are worse things a kid could ask for. So for her 13th birthday, gets him a bucket full of golf balls. And for his 15th birthday, he asks, skips over 14. For his 15th birthday, he asks for a truck. A truck that he can drive, and a truck that's just full of golf balls. And particularly, pink golf balls. So, Dad says, okay. He gets him a big truck. Well, a pretty run-down truck, but a truck that it can drive full of pink golf balls. He filled the trunk, he filled the seats, he filled the entire thing with pink golf balls. And the kid was very happy about this, so he goes out says, thank you, Dad. I'm going, I'm going to take this out, and I'm going to drive this. So, the kid goes out, and he drives his little truck full of pink golf balls. And so the dad is happy, and he knows that in a couple of years, he'll know what all the pink golf balls are. And there are much worse things the kid could ask for. So he's sitting at home, and he's just listening to the radio. Or, where a uh, breaking news like bulletin comes on, and it says, Pink golf balls scattered all over the freeway after a major wreck. Now, the dad knows that this was his kid, so he runs, not runs, but drives, down to the freeway. And he catches his son, and his son's in bad shape. He got, like, messed up in this wreck. He collided with a semi. And there are pink golf balls all over. Golf and this, uh, the dad asks, what happened? What happened? And the son says, well, pink golf ball got wedged, wedged in between the brake pedal and didn't stop. So his dad is upset and he's trying to comfort his son, but his son is dying. There's nothing that they can really do. The ambulance is too far away. They can't get through all the pink golf balls. So, his dad is sitting with his son. His son's asks his dad, do you want to know what was with the pink golf balls? And the dad just says, no, no, rest. Just get some sleep. Just try, try to feel better. The ambulance is coming. Um, and on the way to the hospital, the boy died. Moral of the story, clean out your car regularly so you don't get anything stuck behind your brake pedal. Now, I actually have a theory of what's with the pink golf balls, personally. I think, I, I think I've cracked the code. Mm, what do you think is with the pink golf balls? I think the pink golf balls represent this tragic event where his mother left, which is truly sad, but pink, 
might have been his mom's favorite color. It might have been his dad's favorite color. It might have been his dog's favorite color. It's really hard to tell. Rest in peace, the pink golf ball kid. <laughs> Truly sad story of betrayal, I guess. Let's go with that. No, I'll roll me back in. I'm going to pull everybody back into a more spooky-ish case. Um, a very famous legend of Nordic folklore called the Kraken. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of you know, if you've ever watched Pirates of the Caribbean movies, you've seen the Kraken before. It is a large, extremely large, squid-like monster with tons of tentacles that would essentially just destroy ships ah, in the Atlantic so Ocean. Never heard. Okay. We're getting a bit... Okay. Extremely well, large meat. What do you mean? The no- Nordic folklore said that the Kraken haunted, haunted, and I quote, haunted the seas from Norway through Iceland and all the way to Greenland, end quote. And the Kraken had a knack, also, this is also quoted, quote, the Kraken had a knack for harassing ships and many pseudo-scientific reports, including naval ones, said it would attack vessels with its strong arms. And, and that's end quote. Um, the, this beast would essentially... Use its large tentacles to destroy vessels and ships. You could think think of a gigantic ship. The Kraken could probably destroy it. And if it couldn't, if it failed in its attack with its tentacles, the beast would just wrap wrap its tentacles around the ship and just swim down, creating a fuel maelstrom to just pull the vessel down into the water. And... Kill, destruction, kill. Yeah. So, the Kraken essentially would destroy ships, devour all the crew at once. But the thing with the Kraken is that it actually has a bit of scientific legend around it. Ooh, and science spooky. The strength, that, the strengthening that comes from the scientific legend makes some leads some to believe that maybe the Kraken did exist. And people think that the world in the 18th century could have possibly still had a kraken. Obviously, it's not alive anymore if there ever was one. But the fact that the kraken has proof to be a factual creature at one point in time is what makes this... this folklore so interesting to me and i'd like it's all right with you i'd like to just go a little bit into the scientificness that yes, supports please. this i want to hear this i want to hear why the kraken is real so obviously we all know the giant squid right it's really big a squid yeah obviously it's, it's kraken but it's big so the giant squid was discovered in 1853 on dane Danish beast da- on a Danish beach in uh, Norwegian naturalist Jepetus Strinstrup discovered that this was a giant squid, and what became a legend of the kraken kind of lingered with people after figuring out that the giant squid existed because the kraken has been a pretty popular folklore for a while. It's a really commonly known one, especially for those who are interested in the oceans and the seas, specifically the Atlantic Ocean. And yeah. 
discovering a giant squid kind of opened their eyes up to the idea of a really, really big squid being out there and in a world that's already had people terrified of the ocean for so long it has kind of made it worse. So the giant squid has been researched for over like over 150 years now. Um, almost, like 170 years almost. And there's a lot of debate on whether and how many species of giant squid there are. But to describe the giant squid, the largest one ever was 18 meters. So if you know meters, it's about three feet, you know. So we're looking at about 50, what is it, 52? 52? Is that right? 50, yeah. 54 feet. Yeah, around 54 feet for Americans. Yeah, for you Americans like us, but I, you know, I prefer meters. So yeah, the giant meters, squid... The giant squid inhabits depths of about a hundred one or one thousand one hundred meters, so about three thousand three hundred feet deep, and perhaps going down to two thousand meters or about six thousand feet deep. And oh, that's deep. That's really deep. So the giant squid have really, really peculiar um, muscles, just like all other squids. It has pockets in its muscles. Containing a solution that is less dense than seawater, and seawater is not so. If if it obviously if it was more dense, then that'd be issues. But it's less dense, so it helps it go down that low. And for many years, including um, the early two thousands, answer kind of came up in two thousand and five that the giant squid. Well, the, before that, the giant squid was debated on whether or not is this thing a prey or is it a hunter and if you've ever heard of the giant squid you might know that it is a hunter of the giant the giant squid its nemesis happens to be the sperm whale which if you don't know sperm whales are really really big all whales are big in this one especially and man whales are awesome yeah they are they truly are and looking at this if you think of the Kraken, a, a really large squid that would take down ships by surrounding it with its tentacles and either crushing it and breaking down the vessel or pulling it down. And looking at the giant squid, it was a big squid, 18 meters in length. That's really big. And it would surround its prey with its tentacles, and it, had, it would just... That was how it hunted. Obviously, it's more in-depth, but... The biggest, the biggest fact is that it would use its tentacles to attack its prey. And if you think about it, the Kraken is essentially a really big version of this. And mm-hmm. obviously, back in the older ages of our Earth, bigger animals in the sea was very common. Take the Megalodon. The Megalodon was a massive shark. Was so if there could shark. be... If there could be a gigantic shark, why couldn't there be a gigantic squid? And that's kind of the question a lot of people proposed. And I'll, I'll leave it up to all of you to decide. Is the kraken a factual animal that existed back then, or is it just folklore? Fact or folklore? That's the question of the day. Mm-hmm. Now, would uh, you like to tell a campfire story, or should I go into another folklore? Okay. So, this is a pretty classic campfire story. The Man with the Hook. I like myself some Man with the Hook. 
No, for those who don't know, it's usually used to scare little children. So, for the next, I don't know, three, maybe a couple minutes, for the next couple minutes, I'm going to be talking to you all like your little children. Because this is who this story is intended for. So, first, you find the setup. Let's just say we're by a lake. So, if you were by a lake or somebody of water, this story would go something like this. Long ago, there was a man with a hook. He lived out here. And many times he would go into more detail, like describing him as a very hideous man with scars across his entire body. Or um, a man who was savage, who would kill animals for fun, who had build a house out of the skins of deer. Essentially what you think of a evil survivor in the woods. Yeah. yeah, evil survivor in the woods. That's how you would describe the man. And then you would pretty much say that if you were by a body of water, that he drowned in that body of water over there. Or somehow he died. But he still haunts this woods. Some say he survived. And some say he's right behind you. And then you'd probably get someone else on the like, thing that actually had, like, brought a hook. Like, you plan ahead. You get s- someone else that b- to bring a hook. Essentially, you'd, you'd have a whole plan. Ready to yeah. attack. To traumatize some children. Just some classic trauma. Every yeah. kid needs it. Yeah, every kid needs it. That's how many man with hook stories go. And it's yeah. most of it's up to improv. Well, that's just kind of the classic story of the man with the hook. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this story because I've personally heard it. It's yeah, kind of it's, it's like one of the classic of all time. Yeah, it's, it's the goat campfire story. It's it's like the Michael Jordan or LeBron James if you're a LeBron fan of of campfire. For so, those who don't watch basketball, it's really good. Aha, uh-huh, you know I will. Have to partially disagree because I believe there is a much much better sport. But that well, one, I mean, that, those we'll save that are... for a different episode. No, those players are good at basketball. Yeah, those players are good at basketball. I thought you were talking about the sport. No, no, I don't. I, but no, I don't. obviously, I'm sure almost everybody knows Jordan. Michael Jordan. He's amazing. He was amazing at what he did, and LeBron James is still playing today, and he's still dominating. So he was in the Looney Tunes Space Jam. Yeah, they they were both in the space. They, one of them was Michael Jordan was yeah. in the first one, and LeBron James was in the newest one. Yeah, I can't remember what's called. Were, uh, they, were, they were both Space, space Jam. Jam and New Legacy. Ah, yeah, they're the ones that gave us semi-realistic Loba Bunny. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Now I've got a. Is I don't have a ton to talk about with it, but. I'm sure yeah, a lot of people have heard of, be a little bit of a, shorter episode. a little Japanese mytho- mythological thing called the Oni. It is a type of demonic creature who is often described to be gigantic, incredibly strong, and an incredibly fearful appearance. And they are generally considered to be foreign, not from Japan. They were in Japan, but... They're assumed to be from places like 
China, which it would come along when Buddhism came along into Jap- the Japanese, um, Honestly, the Buddhism, Japanese culture. Buddhism is a kind of pop. And the, uh, the Oni was very cruel and malicious. Um, and the Oni have been depicted in various ways in the legend and art. I sir, you've seen the pictures of the big, almost warrior-looking thing with the mask with the horns. Um, that's one way that it's been described. It's got only three toes and three fingers, which is very odd. Like, on each hand. That's a bit odd. Three toes and three fingers on each hand? Only got three toe, three toes on their feet. Oh, okay. Three toes on each foot. Three fingers on each hand. So, the Oni is very demonic. Alright? And... Alright, you're gonna have to hang in with me here, because this is a bit odd. But according to some of the Chinese people, the Oni is linked to the Demon Gate. And Demon Gate is just a wonderful thing to hear. But it is an unlucky direction in which evil spirits passed. And it's based on the assignment of the 12 zodiac animals with the cardinal directions. Uh-huh. And some people believe that the Oni's horns and tiger skin loincloth developed as a visual description of the set of said term demon gate. And Oni's, at least in a lot of media, they're often linked to temples which can have a lot of accountability. Like it's obviously that probably comes from the fact that the Oni were from sort of religion. It came with a religion, so that kind of followed. And actually, the Oni in recent time have lost some of their, like, wickedness that they used to have when they first came around. And have taken on more of a protective function in the folklore. So now, men will, a lot of men will dress up in Oni costumes and lead the Japanese parades in which they do to dispel bad luck. So, obviously looking at it now, the Oni are now sort of a symbol to ward off bad luck, which is a major difference from what they used to be. Obviously, the Oni used to be an evil figure, and now it's a figure to protect the people of Japan. Yay. Yeah, yay. Um, you got any more campfire stories? Um, no, I feel like those are the popular ones. I shared one with mine. And, well, it's not mine, I don't know. My one of my family told me if you can tell me where that pink golf ball story is from, I would be happy. I don't know where it is. Um, but then I told well, the uh, I guess this is a shorter episode. Yeah, well, I've got one last folklore to end it off, and I have a lot of friends who live in the state of Michigan, and I, I mean, have a folklore that they have learned about. A lot, and I believe they said in fifth grade that they had to watch some videos about it, and it's called the Michigan Dogman. Dogman? Is that is that just a furry? It's not. Thank whatever's up there that it's not a furry. <laughs> so, in Michigan folklore, 
The dogman was allegedly witnessed in the year 1887 in Wexford County, Michigan. The creature is described to be seven foot tall, blue-eyed, sometimes amber-eyed, and it is a bipedal canine-like animal with the torso of a man and a fearsome howl that sounds similar to a human scream. And according to the legends of the Michigan Dogman, the Dogman appeared in, appears in a 10-year cycle that follows on years ending in 7. So 1887, 1897, 1907, you get the gist. So give it five it's years, and maybe you people up in, out there in Michigan... We'll get to experience the dogman. And sightings have been reported in several other locations throughout Michigan. Primarily, though, it is in the northwestern quadrant of the Lower Peninsula. And this story has gained a lot of popularity when uh, disc jockey Steve Cook at WTCM-FM recorded a song about the creature and its reported sightings. Now, obviously, it's hard... All these folklore are obviously like they're folklore, so it's hard to believe. But this song, I'd recommend listening to this song because it's really good. It's called The Legend. Uh, if you search it up, uh, it's probably on YouTube. If you just search up The Legend um, by Steve Cook, you'll probably find it. Uh, he initially played it as an April Fool's Day joke, and he based it on the myths and legends from North America, and had never heard of an actual Michigan dogman at the time of recording. So, it's kind of odd that he would make a song about something he didn't know about, but he got it so accurate to what the what the legends say it is. And Oh, that's weird. Is he the dog man? I was actually going to propose that. I proposed to you, what if the dog man isn't a dog man? What if he is Steve Cook? <laughs> what if what if he is you? What if he is me? What if I am the Wendigo? What if you are the Kraken? Are you the Kraken, Linus? No, all I do be is cracking that subscribe button. Oh yeah, you better do that if you're on YouTube, crack that subscribe <laughs> button. And, you know, if you've got any episode suggestions, you know, put in the comments of a YouTube video, you could do that. That'd be greatly appreciated. Or you and, can uh, stories. Yeah, we're gonna have a Discord. That'll be pretty cool. We'll, and then the description maybe, maybe a different one. All this is a work in progress, but regardless, thank you for listening to us rant. I know it's been a bit of a shorter episode. Maybe we'll return to this topic eventually. I'm sure that'd be a fun thing to do, but as of right now, I think that's in, this is going to be us signing off. Goodbye, and make sure... Thank, thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Make sure to ring that little bell. Yeah, and thank you for Goodbye. coming out. Thank you for listening, and I think we'll yeah. see you next time. Yeah, buy our merch. Wait, do we have merch? Bye. No, we don't. We don't have merch. Goodbye. Have a good day.